0: Welcome back to the program. No program of mine would be complete during a week when papers have been released related to the Kennedy assassination without reaching out to Gerald Posner, my buddy who wrote the great book Case Closed and so many other great books. Uh, Gerald, you're becoming this kind of piecemeal historian. You're putting together the history of our country with JFK and MLK and 9-11 and Ross Perot and the pharmaceutical industry. We're going to have to have a whole history wing in the Library of Congress with just Posner books, I believe.
1: I just don't have enough time to write about all the good events and bad events in American history, Uh, but I certainly try to pick uh, some of the more interesting ones. You're right, and uh, little could I have ever imagined, Mike, that when I wrote the the book on the Kennedy assassination case closed 30 years ago, almost, it's coming up on 30 years soon, that I'd still be discussing secret files held by the CIA and the FBI that they refused to release. So, you know, sometimes you pick a subject in history that you think is old news, and then it becomes current news because of something that goes on like this.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And, and the fact that this is the gift that keeps on giving, I'm not making Uh, A light of the assassination of President Kennedy, but your book is the uh, media gift that keeps on giving, and it also takes you away from other projects you're working on. I know that personally, but this latest tranche of uh, documents released uh, gets us to, what, 90 percent of what the government has?
1: Yeah, over, over like 95, 96 percent is out. Um, There are 15,000 documents left, millions of pages of documents have been released. And, so, and 1,500 documents were just released the other day. And so you know, people say, okay, so what are they still holding? I mean, I'll tell you one of the things. They have nearly 600 documents there that have, have been hel- withheld in their entirety. They, We've never even seen a word of those. Hmm. You tend to think that those would be the most interesting. So you immediately say, well, that's the stuff I want to see because that has to be the most explosive stuff, not the stuff you've released before that has a couple of sentences redacted and now you're fighting over that. But it turns out that of the nearly 600 documents that haven't been released, almost all of them are tax returns, you'll love this, Tax, every tax return from Oswald, of everybody in the Oswald family, of his brother, they're all withheld. Everybody in Jack Ruby, the fellow who killed Oswald two days later, and everybody in the Ruby family, they're all withheld. One of Ruby's attorney's tax returns are withheld. Every company Oswald worked for, they're withheld. Because when they passed the law uh, 25 years ago to release all the JFK files, they exempted tax records. So people think we're going to find out, like, who killed the president, They don't know that a lot of the stuff held back is just, you know, interesting, but not that relevant to what happened on that day when Kennedy was killed.
0: I find it amazing, astounding, jaw-dropping. We're probably going to get Trump's tax returns before we get Oswald's.
1: (laughs) It, it, that is really an unbelievable commentary. You're absolutely right to think that, that, you know, and and also, I mean, if you think about this in terms of politics or that, uh, I mean, here are intelligence agencies like the CIA who's holding about ninety percent of the documents withheld, or because the CIA is still objecting to them disclosing some source or that. But these are intelligence agencies that leak confidential information whenever they want to when you know the, the so you know uh, the, when Trump was running for office and they had the so-called dossier out you had intelligence and former heads of the CIA on uh, building up the credibility of it and leaking information and everything else but here they are fighting to withhold information that's nearly 60 years old so it, it's a strange contradiction
0: Yeah, it's amazing to me. Uh, We're talking with Gerald Posner, my friend, author of so many great books, but this one, Case Closed, about the Kennedy assassination. If you haven't read it, you should. Gerald, among the documents released, I keep hearing whispers that we were told the CIA was warned about the attempt on the president's life. Was it from Australia, Australian officials?
1: yeah no so this is great so there was a report there's a document that came out that said that australian officials had gotten an early heads up that kennedy was going to be killed it turns out that that document uh, the the story of that had actually been released nearly 15 years ago although there was some new information in the unredacted version that came out but it was picked up as though it was totally new um there was also a story that the the british intelligence had picked up the fact that somebody called a reporter in Britain and said, by the way, call the American embassy later today, there's going to be big news about the president. That's the day he was killed. That was also picked up as a new story, but it's an old story that's been out there for a long time. Even the New York Post, the Daily Mail, The Sun and a number of other papers fell for a document that said that Oswald had been in contact with a Russian KGB agent a month before the assassination. That seemed like big news, but actually, That uh, document had been released in 1998. The story is old. Uh, So the problem in these release of documents is that I'm into the weeds on the case. And, you know, researchers on the case are. I understand that. But most people who cover it nowadays, reporters, weren't even born when Kennedy was killed. The reporters who do cover the story don't know the details of the case. So when the National Archives puts out a document, they don't know if it's just part of a document that's been withheld before or if it's all news. They don't go back and search the old stuff because it's very hard to find. The archives doesn't make it very easy. And so as a result, we get a lot of old news recycled as new news.
0: Ah, it feels that way, and that explains a lot. You know, you said all, uh, most of these people covering it weren't alive when Kennedy was born. They weren't alive when your book came out, Gerald. There's a lot of these people. That, are- <laughs>
1: that, that is true. I keep thinking, uh, you know, oh, my God, they weren't alive during Kennedy's time. They weren't alive even then. And <laughs> and even going back to watch Oliver Stone's film JFK, you know, great film, lousy history. For them, that's really digging back in the old days. And so I it, it makes sense to me that, you know, people are looking at this and wondering, you know, what's all the big fuss about? Why aren't they just getting these documents out? And I will say that, look— Holding on to files this long from the government, this is a, a perfect lesson of how to make people think there's a conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, you, you hold on to files, and people think you're holding on to them because you're covering up some momentous truth or conspiracy or whatever else. The government bureaucrats who sort of you know argue about whether files should be classified or not or whether somebody's name should be out there because they were uh, helping the CIA 60 years ago, they don't realize what the terrible effect of this is. The optics, as people like to say, it's really terrible.
0: It is terrible, and it, it leads me into a topic I want to address quickly because i got a couple more minutes with you. Um, and and this, this hiding of information takes me to the story of why we're not going to be able to get the complete information about the reactions to the vaccines for 75 years that the, the uh, details on people who got vaccinated for COVID and any adverse reactions they had are going to be held up for up to possibly 75 years, which is ridiculous to me. And I'm going to just quickly mention your book, Pharma, which came out, I, is it almost a year and a half ago now?
1: Yeah, right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, at March of 2020, as the pandemic broke, Pharma came out. Uh, so uh, you're right. Mike, when you say that, I can believe that the vaccines are okay, and I think that they're over-marketed, and I don't agree with the mandates, um, and I understand that the companies are making billions of dollars, in profits are record-breaking, but why we, the American people, shouldn't have transparency and be able to see the full results of all these reactions within six months or two months or a year much less holding them for 75 years, it makes you think that something's wrong. It's exactly this what you're talking about. Makes me wonder what they're hiding, and I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, and I'm vaccinated. I just don't support mandates. That's my personal stance. I yeah. think people yeah. need to I, make choices. That's what,
1: that's what I agree with. Look, at, and there are people who are working in EMS services or in hospital services or medical services, police or fire, wherever else. They're in critical jobs. They've had COVID in some instances. They have natural immunity. Sometimes they are uh, women who are thinking of getting pregnant. They don't want to take the vaccine. They may be as safe from not getting COVID as somebody who's had the vaccine, and they're being forced out of a job, to me. That is just uh, nonsensical. It makes I don't understand why anybody thinks it's a good idea to have a mandate that forces you out of a place of work when you're not really a threat of passing along the the virus to anyone else.
0: Well said, Gerald. I've got a hot minute. The judge who overturned the Sackler family bankruptcy decision. Can you explain, can you boil it down in a, in a minute for us?
1: Yeah, the Sackler family owned Purdue Pharma, which made the big opioid drug uh, uh, OxyContin. Uh, they recently got uh, immunity from all civil lawsuits for paying four and a half billion dollars toward a settlement. A judge has now overruled that bankruptcy settlement saying they shouldn't get the civil um, immunity and if that holds up on appeal that probably means the whole bankruptcy is turned upside down they're going to you're going to hear about lawsuits against the Sacklers for decades to come if uh, that's not overturned on appeals
0: Fantastic well said Gerald Posner is his name he's one of the great writers of our generation and a great historian as well And my friend Gerald thank you so much <laughs> Thanks, uh, Mike I great appreciate to talk you, to you. And happy Friday to you, Friday Luya to you. I will keep saying Friday Luya until it becomes part of the lexicon, or until somebody tells me stop saying that it's stupid. And I am looking over the news and the politics, and there are things that just rankle me. Can I say that they rankle me? They make me a little crazy. If you've listened to the show, you know I'm a First Amendment fan. I believe everybody should be allowed to say whatever they would like. As long as you understand the consequences of what you are saying, and especially you need to be aware of where you are saying it, you don't run into a kindergarten and start spouting filthy things. That's not the right thing to do. And you would be invited out, I would hope. I don't know about this world today, though. But the First Amendment, I think all speech should be defended. Even the speech you consider to be the most vile. But the people on the left are trying to mandate what we can and can't say. The people on the left want us to stop saying certain words because they're afraid of them. That's my take on it. They find those words to be troubling. You know, you can't say the R word anymore when you're talking about an intellectually challenged person. That is deemed to be white-hot and could even get you thrown out of a company. You have to apologize when you say it. It's distasteful. It's not toxic. It's not going to kill anyone. Of course, we have the words we can't say on the radio. We have the N-word, which is used by so many people, but because you're not the right color, you can't use that word. I find it distasteful. And I don't want to use it. But there are people who are allowed to use it, allowed to make a living off using it. But you and I can't, or we will not be allowed to make a living. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's not fair. And these are the people who are always talking about fairness and a level playing field. Well, it starts with what, with what we can or cannot say. Language. And the First Amendment protects that. And we're seeing the hypocrisy of the left in action with the battle between Elon Musk and Senator Elizabeth Warren, the woman who pretended to be an Indian. Can I say Indian? Do I have to say Native American? She pretended to be of Native American Indian heritage in order to get jobs, even though she had no proof. All she had was the belief that her papa's high cheekbones indicated He was Native American, and so she should be able to cash in on that, which she did until she was finally caught and called out over it. Well, Elizabeth Warren is not only a despicable person for that, she's also not a believer in capitalism and the free enterprise system. She thinks the government should be involved in everything you do and deciding how much and where and how you should live. And so Elon Musk has called her out because she called him a freeloader. The government offered subsidies to companies that would build these electric vehicles. Musk jumped on it and created his Tesla Motor Company, which is phenomenally successful. Fantastically successful. It's made him one of the richest men in the world, if not the richest man. And Elizabeth Warren called him a freeloader and he fired back at her. And he pointed out the hypocrisy of this woman. He showed videos of her getting off a private jet. He talked about how much she did or did not pay in taxes compared to the fact that he will pay $15 billion this year in taxes. Elon Musk is relentless, and he's clever, and he's brilliant, and Elizabeth Warren is no match for him. So the left is having to jump to Elizabeth Warren's defense. And they are. They absolutely are. A couple days ago, Elon Musk tweeted that uh, Elizabeth Warren was Senator Karen. And I just learned yesterday that the word Karen is racist. Did you know it? I did not. I did not know calling someone a Karen was racist. I thought it was just an insult because you thought they were kind of a a jerk, an officious whistle and clipboard carrying rule enforcer. Well, Joy Reid decided that Karen is racist and talked about it on her show.
1: Elon wasn't happy, so he did what he always did and stomped his little feet and insulted Senator Warren, calling her an angry mom and referring to her as Senator Karen. So for so many reasons, being a freeloader and a selfish and disrespectful one, and for misappropriating black vernacular for misogynistic purposes, Elon Musk is the absolute worst.
0: So... The absolute worst, that's a designation, that's an award on Joy Reid's show. She's appropriating from Keith Olbermann, who used to be on MSNBC, Crazy Keith Olbermann, ranting Crazy Keith Olbermann, who used to award the worst person in the world every night on his show. So now she's got the absolute worst. Kind of an appropriation. Maybe maybe Keith Olbermann should get out there and, and start yelling about Joy Reid. She's not a smart or real journalist at all. I hope the Elon Musk and uh, Elizabeth Warren battle goes on forever and ever and ever because Elon will never give up. He is relentless. Elizabeth Warren does not know what she's in for. And again, she keeps calling him a freeloader. Joy Reid called him a freeloader. Guess what? Elon Musk will pay $15 billion dollars in taxes this year. I want you to sit and think about that. Elon Musk is going to pay $15 billion in taxes. That's more than Google paid. That's more than General Motors paid. That's more than many companies paid. It might be the highest amount of money ever paid by an individual. I know that for sure. Does that sound like a freeloader to you? It does not to me. Again, I hope this feud goes on and on and on. And you know what I hope doesn't go on? The Build Back Better bill. It looks like it's dead. Uh, We played this clip earlier from Lindsey Graham. He declared this yesterday. I think
1: Build Back Better is dead, not for just 2021, but forever.
0: And that would be a great thing. Joe Biden yesterday admitted that it looks like they are not, they, the Democrats, are not going to be able to put a vote on the Senate floor for the Build Back Better bill, which would bankrupt this country. And it's all because Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin, seems to have steeled his spine against bankrupting the country and turning us into a Soviet-style socialist republic. Yeah, good for you. Thank you, Joe Manchin. I hope this is holding up. But there won't be a vote this year, so the Democrats are not getting their socialist wish list pushed forward And uh, going back to Lindsey Graham, he also said the Democrats, with all the other things they're doing, trying to pack the Supreme Court, Warren came out in favor of that yesterday too. The Democrats are desperate. Maybe we need to show the desperate Democrats.
1: Senator Warren is calling for packing the court. Democrats are talking about eliminating the Electoral College because it gets in the way of them winning. Talking about adding two new states. These folks are on a mission. To grow this government, to replace the private sector everywhere they can, and they see this as their last best chance.
0: And that's true. The Democrats really thought if they could push all of this across the finish line, the two bills, they got the first infrastructure bill, which was unnecessary and riddled with all kinds of horrible things in it, and they thought if they get the second one, it's game over, and it pretty much would have been game over america as i know it and grew up with it would be fundamentally transformed as barack obama liked to say i'm going to keep lighting candles and keep praying until we make sure the build back better disaster is officially dead and buried it's going to be hard for them to get get it across the finish line in an election year and once 2022 hits It's all about the midterms, folks. It's all about putting Republicans back in charge. There's a lot more to get to. We'll get to it. And we have to talk about the weekend and having a little fun. It's Mike with a little more news and maybe some politics thrown in there. There's a lot of news going on in the world. And yesterday, the news inspired me to learn how to bake something. I know that sounds weird. Yesterday, I saw a story on CNN talking about the Kraft Company offering people 20 bucks to not make a cheesecake because Kraft cream cheese and cream cheese in general was in short supply because, well, essentially Joe Biden's in charge and his policies have screwed up the country so far. And he can't even say exponentially. But the Kraft Company, this is brilliant what they did, drawing attention to this alleged shortage of cream cheese. I went to my local grocery store. There was plenty of cream cheese of all varieties. So I don't know if this is true or Bravo Sierra. But when I heard that Kraft was doing this and they're doing it on a limited basis, I think they're offering the $20 payment to 18,000 people or the first 18,000 people who vow not to make a cheesecake or whatever the heck the rules are. They got a million dollars plus worth of media on it. People like me are talking about it. CNN's doing stories on it. Everybody's talking about don't make a cheesecake and Kraft will pay you. Well, that. Inspired me because I thought of all the things I've done baking is is my uh, my most lacking skill in the kitchen and I vowed to try and learn to do baking. I want to learn how to make bread and bagels and all kinds of things pastries. So I thought I've never made a cheesecake and I looked up a simple recipe and I actually made a cheesecake yesterday. I went out and bought Kraft cream cheese. Just to spite Kraft. So. I think ultimately they were trying to get us to buy their product, and they succeeded. So I bought me some Kraft cream cheese, and I made myself a cheesecake. And I will tell you this morning, I had a slice before the show, and it was even better after a night in the refrigerator than it was from just a couple hours. So try new things. It's important. Speaking of supermarkets... Our friend Sarah Carter sent me a story, and we're going to try and get Sarah Carter on the phone. I hope we can. Kroger, is there a Kroger in your neighborhood? We don't have Kroger near us here in Wilmington, Delaware. We have Acme, and we have uh, Wegmans is the one I go to. And, but Kroger, biggest supermarket traditional grocery store in the country. They have almost a half a million employees. Kroger has decided they are adding a monthly surcharge to unvaccinated workers if, um, if they want to stay employed without being vaccinated. So if you work for Kroger and you're one of the nearly half million workers in Kroger's stable, uh, you have to get vaccinated or it's going to cost you 50 bucks a month, a monthly health insurance surcharge will be leveled on those people. But it's only on the non-union workers. It's only the, the non-union workers, people who have not joined a union, which is kind of discriminatory to me. So Kroger, no thanks. They say, well, we are offering $100 to anyone who wants to get vaccinated. What about people who don't? Whatever happened to free will and free choice in this country? just amazing to me, astounding to me. There's another thing that's got me ticked off. I'm California. Parents are standing up like the way they did in Virginia. Virginia, I think, was the pivot point in 2021. We saw the change of power in Virginia. The governor did not get, uh, a Democrat governor did not get elected. We have a first-time Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, who is going to be the governor of Virginia, and that's a good thing. And most of it happened because of schools. Well, in California, I think schools are going to lead the way to possible change there, too. A parent found out that teachers were coaching her child, a young girl, on how to come out as trans, now, let's just think about this. What do you send your kids to school for? You send them to school to learn how to read and write and hopefully learn American history. We know that ship has sailed on American history. But are they being taught how to read and write and critical thinking and science? I, I don't think so. And math? Those are the things that we expect from our schools. But the schools in California have already come, become indoctrination factories. And in the case of this mother who learned that her child was being coached by teachers secretly on becoming a trans or identifying as a trans person. This is a child under the age of 15. I think she was 11. And the parent found out, went to a school board meeting and gave them what for. You took away my ability to parent my child, even before I had any knowledge. I didn't even get to show
1: support. You asked for support, I didn't get a chance. Your job was to educate my child in math, science, English, etc. Do your job and let me do
0: mine. I hope this mother's story gets a wider, wider swath across the news. I hope a lot of people see this because I think this is not an isolated case. These are agenda-driven warriors for the far, far left who don't care about science when that's what they tell you. Oh, it's all about science. They're very worried right now, too. The politicians on the left are very worried because their agenda's been rejected by the American people, so they're going to be lashing out now. And some of them are even going to be doing things and saying things that makes you think that they're changed they're gonna try and shift because they're worried about keeping their jobs. For example, San Francisco Mayor London Breed, finally, as you heard early in this year, finally uh, has said enough with the crime. And she wants it to stop after she defunded the police. What I'm proposing today and what I will be proposing in the future will make a lot of people uncomfortable. And I don't care. At the end of the day, The safety of the people of San Francisco
1: is the most important thing to me. And
0: we are past the point where what we see is even remotely acceptable. Yeah, well, we don't believe you because we heard your cohorts like the squad talking about defunding the police for the last two years. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Talking about um, the reduction of our NYPD budget and defunding a $6 billion NYPD budget. Oh, yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the, the um,
1: investment in our communities, which have historically been divested.
0: Hmm. You and I pay for private security for all those people. They get great security but they've been out there for two years pitching defund the police and they don't let the cops do their jobs. And the mainstream media was with them. But now that the tide has turned, the popular opinion has turned, even CNN is flipping and joining the pro police sounding movement. Listen,
1: she's absolutely right. It's what we have been saying. It's what we've been saying during the pandemic about the, the rise in crime. I think, and it's not very popular, um, that people need to stop listening to the people who have gone all the way far left and saying, oh, well, you know, we want to defund the police. We need all this sort of bail reform.
0: Yeah. Don Lemon. Yeah, <laughs> We're not believing you. CNN and MSNBC said all those riots, all the looting, all the burning. Uh, that was all mostly peaceful protests. Yeah. You're not going to get away with this. We have too many <laughs> Too many clips of you idiots telling us that you want to get rid of the cops and that it's okay to destroy someplace because you think, you think you're redistributing wealth and power. We're not forgetting, sir. We're not forgetting at all. Michael Pelk